for all those here. Um, I have to remind you that um, this meeting is being recorded and broadcast and of course to be heard you have to speak into one of the speakers. Uh, customarily I will say that um, we're not expecting a fire alarm test tonight so if one goes it is real and we should leave through the only door there down the stairs and into the car park. And can you please ensure that your phones are off or set to silent? Um, before we get into the meeting proper, we have one uh, public speaker. Um, Ray, the floor is yours to address us for three minutes. Um, thank you, Mr. Chairman, um, and, and district councillors, and of course, officers. Um, I'm Ray Woodcock, a resident of Stanford, Manchester. I represent the Patient Participation Group of Stanford Surgery and over 500 residents who signed my petition in March 2017. And there is the petition. The petition asks, this petition is in support of an application by Professor Ashok Sony, OBE, a string of pharmaceutical, pharmaceutical um, qualifications um, uh, to win a license to dispense NHS prescriptions through Stanford Pharmacy, Stanford Manufacturing. One would think that this is a simple um, and very straightforward issue. Unfortunately, it is not. Um, I'm Ray Woodcock, a resident of Stanford Manufacturing. I represent the PPG group um, of Stanford Surgery and over 500 residents who signed my petition. It is a health and well-being issue which I raise this evening, and specifically, an additional NHS licensed prescription dispensing pharmacy, but in the lowest street area of our community. This will help those not only living in Stansted South and Birchanger, but in the surrounding hamlets. Why is this licensed pharmacy needed? Um, the steep hill of Chapel Hill, the existing pharmacy in Cambridge Road is not disabled person compliant. The errors that the pharmacy make, and I've got evidence for that here in terms of complaints. Um, um, alternative pharmacies are a car journey away for those who have a car. Many do not. Essex Pharmaceutical Needs Assessment 2018 states that if an alternative pharmacy exists within 20 minutes drive, then people have sufficient choice. If they don't have a car, um, and these are my words, if they don't have a car, how do you get to it when buses are so infrequent? This is not acceptable in this day and age. We are trying to reduce the need to use cars and not encourage them to be used um, because of road congestion and air pollution. And our uh, the Stanford Mount Pitchett Neighbourhood Development Plan, um, which is in draft form at the moment, um, states quite a number of these issues, particularly uh, pollution and um, road condition, etc. Um, um, climate change must be a major issue for consideration by the Essex Health and Wellbeing Board, and um, my my opinion. Um, they're just ignoring uh, this particular issue. Stanford Mount Pitchett Parish Council is totally supporting this need and to progress this issue um, 
Yes, again, we met Dr. Mike Gogarty. Um, he is an Essex County Council director and officer, um, and I believe he's chairman of the Health and Wellbeing Board. And a lady called Deputy Patel, um, she is a qualified pharmacist, the author of Essex County Council Pharmaceutical Needs Assessment dated 2018. Um, all of these documents um, are. Um, on the Essex County Council website, um, and um, hopefully, uh, when you agree to my request at the end of the meeting, um, I can direct you to all of these documents. Um, uh, uh, I think, uh, yes, uh, we met those people yesterday. I think we made very little progress in convincing them of our need, but our parish council chairman and the clerk, who were also present at this meeting, um, thought their response was um, a little more, and I quote, a little more positive than at the meeting we had with them, uh, which our MP um, uh, organised in June, um, and that um, we, we had a, a meeting with Kenny and these people um, in Parliament um, in June, and my goodness me, did, did Kenny try extremely hard to find a way forward. Um, we raised um, uh, uh, additional issues yesterday at this meeting. Um, NHS West Essex implementing um, primary care networks. There are many changes happening within the NHS and these changes are bound to have a knock-on effect on um, the way that we all see and use um, the NHS. Um, uh, uh, second point, NHS England is pressing GPs to refer patients with minor conditions to seek help from their pharmacists. Um, and um, many of your GPs will have that on their um, reception desk. And, and this just explains um, that GPs are trying to offload um, uh, many or much of the workload that they have simply because they're so busy. Um, and they're trying to improve the, um, the service in some um, obvious way. Not criticism, I think it's good action, personally. Pharmaceutical Services Negotiation Committee um, uh, 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 announcing funded negotiations result in five-year CPCF deal. Now, I'm not sure exactly what that means, but again, um, um, the work that pharmacies and the services that pharmacies are expected to do in future is going to increase. That's if we have a pharmacy at the bottom of Chapel Hill. Um, um, our only pharmacy um, in Stanton Alfredship is having difficulties providing an acceptable service. Again, uh, uh, here, here is the evidence that I can print it off from the web. Um, and it goes back to uh, 2018. Um, the growing population that we have um, in Stansted and uh, Birchhanger and the surrounding hamlets. Um, the deprived mums with bush chairs, these patients need a dispensing pharmacy closer to their homes. Um, at the moment, there, was, uh, there are a lot of um, mums um, living on Forest Hall Estate and the Malfetters Estate. And if you've seen them pushing prams with children um, up Chapel Hill, 
um, frankly, it's it's wrong. It's simply wrong. Ray, I wonder if you've gone well over your three minutes. Um, I wonder if you can come okay. to your conclusion. Um, I'll, I'll, you. I'll stick to my, my statement, Mr Chairman, um, and my apologies. Um, uh, NHS England announcing that pharmacies are to be inspected. Climate change, which stands for Richard Parish Council, Adelsford District House, and Essex County Council, and the government support. But in practice, it seems to be ignored by the decision makers. Next year, the PMA Pharmaceutical Needs Assessment 2018 is expected to be revised and updated. I hope that UDC is invited to comment. I have spoken with Katrina Lees and she is encouraging us, um, that is me and others, um, to continue to campaign for this need. But who is responsible? Who is the responsible district councillor? Uh, not a criticism again, um, it is you're going through um, a major change and trying to understand um, all of the pressures on you. Um, who is the district councillor who has been assigned um, with this responsibility for health and wellbeing issues and who attends the Essex County Council Health and Wellbeing Board Committee? One of your predecessors, Mr. Rolf, did, but he seems not to have responded to the PMA requested for comment um, in 2017 when it was sent um, to its consult when it sent its consultation document related to pharmaceutical needs assessment and published in 2018. Uh, my plea, uh, we need help, please. Um, what what can I do? Um, I'm doing a lot. Um, Paris Council is helping a tremendous amount, so it's not criticism. It is the intransigence um, of the Essex Health and Wellbeing Board PNA. Yeah. And I don't know okay. why. Yeah. Thank you. Thank, thank you for, for coming along this evening to talk about it. I can answer, answer the, uh, one simple question there. Who is responsible? You have spoken to Katrina Lees. Katrina is the portfolio uh, holder for that. In addition, we, we have helping us uh, Mike Taylor, who is an ex- GP, you may know, hobbies in the, the Liberal Democrat Party. So, in fact, one or both of those will be responsible on that on that committee. I can't say offhand who went to the last one. This may have fallen between stools, but uh, we weren't sure that it is picked up and cancelled. Thank you, Katrina. Um, I've been yes. talking with Katrina, um, and also she mentioned your um, retired doctor. Yes. Um, and I was just going to say that I think Councillor Taylor did attend the last meeting at yeah. Chelmsford, so he's not totally regarded, he acts as a local uh, doctor, so it may be worth contacting him. The <coughs> details are on the website of us for Traxton and the Easterns. Thank you, Joe. Yeah. Um, thank you, we will, we will take that up. On then to the, uh, to the meeting. Uh, proper. Apologies for absence. Uh, so uh, I have councillors Asker, Dean, Barker, Pepper, Lees and Gerard. Thank you. Uh, declarations of interest. Do we, just check, do we need to defer town council? I think there's been, uh, I think there's no relevant business so if we'll leave, leave town council for uh, for this meeting. Always feel free to declare at any time if you think it's appropriate or relevant. 
minutes of the previous meeting, uh, which was on the 15th of July. Um, any comments, problems, issues? Can we accept those, please? Can we propose it for that? Those comments, active council light. Thank you. Moving on. Questions or statements from non-executive members of the council? I believe we have none. Um, okay. Uh, unless any other leaders would like to, uh, to mention. Council. With your agreement. Could you, could you take a, a yes. microphone then? Yeah. With your agreement, Chairman, I'd just like to make something relating to the spar when it comes up. Would it be okay to make a comment then, not now? I would absolutely leave it right. till Thank then, you. yes. Yeah. Thank you. If it's on the agenda, obviously feel free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come to you, yeah. Yeah. Anything else? Nope. Um, Matt has referred to the Executive by the Scrutiny Committee. Can I take items four and five together, please, Councillor Lodge? Just to sort indeed. of wrap them yes. all up. Yes, indeed. Thank that you very much. Yes. Um, scrutiny Committee met on Tuesday. We had a detailed report on progress on the by the working group on Section 106 agreements, which comprises Councillor Evans, Councillor Chrissioni and Councillor Jones. I think it's fair to say they're doing a magnificent job and a forensic job in assessing the enormous amount of evidence and the enormous amount of detail in this highly complicated area and they've already highlighted a number of interesting conflicts between the understanding of various parties to the matters. Uh, they feel that they are on track to report by uh, early in the new year which was anticipated and I'm extremely grateful for the enormous amount of effort and achievement they've put into that. So. That's going remarkably well. Um, Scrutiny Committee has also asked that notwithstanding the item on the agenda regarding uh, the commercialisation strategy and that this will be going to full council in due course, that Councillor Fairhurst comes to the next Scrutiny Committee to answer questions on this matter and to have a discussion on the matter and we'd be very grateful if he would do so. Councillor Caton will be leading that discussion, or I've requested that he lead that discussion, as he's taken a particular interest in that, and that may be one of the matters that Councillor Sell intends to refer to uh, later in this meeting. We had an interesting discussion and have approved our report back to Cabinet, which you will receive at your October meeting, in respect of the matter you referred to us in July. Um, that was part of a broader discussion about what one might broadly discuss, uh, describe as trust in the council. And a number of things come out of that. First of all, thinking in terms of that complaint, that complaint required a resident not only to trawl through meeting the minutes of piles and piles of meetings, but also to go and scour procurement sites. That speaks to me to an extraordinary level of fundamental concern by that resident about the way we conduct our business. And at the meeting we had a lot of discussion about openness, transparency. It became all terribly philosophical until Councillor Driscoll brought us sharply back to reality by pointing out two very important things. That we need clear rules that everybody understands and can be guided by. And that in the absence of that, it's a recipe for mistrust and conflict. Uh, 
And the point he made, which resonated enormously with me, and I felt slightly guilty that I'd forgotten it, the extent to which he had determined on the doorstep in the spring the degree of hostility and overt distrust there was to this council as a corporate body amongst our residents. And that was not something that was confined to specific areas. Now, I know that um, you as leader and the chief executive are committed to rebuilding trust and you are aware that some of these are issues from settling in, in terms of some of the more strained relations there might have been within the London Road offices, but I think it's probably worth reminding uh, Cabinet uh, of Councillor Driscoll's fundamental point that there is a big job of rebuilding trust with the people out there. That concludes this report. Thank you. Thank you for that report. I think we, th those of you who are present will uh, we agree it was um, a, a very interesting meeting and I think covered some, some important ground. And uh, I share with you the issues about rebuilding trust. Um, I actually quoted uh, your colleague, Councillor Pavitt, in, in that meeting when uh, uh, some weeks ago he said that he thought it was possibly a matter of people finding their feet in the new council and that we would settle into more of a rhythm and better cooperation. I'm not quite sure whether I got your words exactly right, but I'm sure those were the sentiments. The uh, Chief Executive and I discuss it very frequently, and I am really hopeful that it will, that, that we, are, we are all on, on the same side, and we want to uh, um, promote the, the image and the work of this council just as best we can. So. Uh, thank you for your efforts in, in the scrutiny committee and also just on pass on, I'm sure Councillor Clare will be delighted to join you at the next one. There's so much going on that it's obviously very appropriate that he does. Um, so we've done five and six. Do we have to formally accept that report? Four. Oh, seven, four and five. No, so that's uh, just noted. Thank you very much. Um, report and delegated item six, report and delegated decisions taken by cabinet members. I believe there are none. Item seven, reports on assets of community value. Um, we have had um, two uh, decisions made there on Felstead Memorial Hall and the adult community learning venue in Essex Cares Limited Day Centre, Saffron Walden. Uh, members, any, any comments, thoughts? I would just like to declare an interest here as a ward, ward member and town council member um, for that ward. Indeed. And do you have any comments to make then particularly on that on the on the day centre? Are you comfortable with that? that obviously yes. the committee has yes, approved yes, it, yes. yes. Okay, anything else, members? Could you you may like to uh, uh, propose that we receive and note that? I think that's great received and noted, thank you very much. Um, Item number eight, budget out uh, 2019, quarter one, 1920, quarter one. Councillor Hargit. Uh, thank, thank you, Chair. Um, you've got the detailed papers on the agenda. It's quite a lot of, of uh, information in there. Uh, I'll go through a summary. The overall picture is that for the this first quarter results, and um, it's pretty much exactly on track. Uh, that's a testament to the, the accuracy of the, of the budgeting. Being done. 
Uh, you have some figures at the top of the agenda which quote um, an underspend and a surplus of 78,000, 112,000. Just to put the context of that, I think the overall sort of spend for a quarter is something like three million pounds, just under three million pounds. So we're seeing quite small figures against that. Uh, so let's go through some of the, the, the highlights of it. Um, general fund forecasting underspend of 78,750. Uh, the housing revenue account showing a net surplus of 112,000 uh, after allowing for movements in reserves and revenue funding of uh, capital projects, leaving a minor £1,000 overall budget surplus. Uh, the capital programme predicting uh, 3.163 million uh, slippage. Uh, the actual uh, accounting underspend is, is only 12,000, um, uh, so giving a, an overall underspend in the year of 3.151 million. That just means things that we budgeted to do we haven't quite done yet and therefore it goes back into reserves to be, to be spent in the future. Just further detail on that. Um, the general fund position is uh, summarised in point 10 on page 14. My copy here doesn't have any page numbers on it. So. Um, uh, the current budget has been updated from the original uh, to set up a uh, garden communities budget to enable uh, clear reporting and transparency on delivery and the development plan documents. Um, budgets totaling £909,000 were previously held in the corporate team uh, and planning policy for garden communities. This budget does not include the funding received from the uh, MHCLG in March uh, 2019 that is held in reserves for future spending on guard communities. Um, service areas are showing overspend of um, £756,000. It's detailing points 12 to 14. Um, and after adjusting movements and reserves of uh, 839,780. The true position, true service position, is an underspend of 83,410. Full details are shown in the table at point 13. And more details on the reserves movements are listed in point 23. Um, the key variances over 30,000 pounds are listed in point 14. So listing there, various bits and bobs. Uh, and um, these relate to reduction in building control income, a reduction in the uh, um, SLA for the HR service uh, provided by the County Council and other uh, staff savings. Um, the corporate cost variance, the 3215.15, mainly due to the financing of the capital programme for the new, um, the new depot, and the Superband, Superfast Broadband project slipping into the next financial year, that's the things I mentioned at the beginning. Um, these are both funded from reserves as a contract entry, so it doesn't actually have any, any budget impact. Uh, additional unbudgeted costs were identified after the quarter end reporting period. So these are detailed on points 16 to 18. So that's post, post balance sheet changes. 
These relate to the increased um, number of planning appeals, um, the current forecast showing that at the end of quarter one, the current budget of 95,000 will need to be increased by 190,000, uh, and costs will increase if there are further appeals on the side, Newport's fighting with the field is all here this week, uh, and we have another one coming up next week, and we did one in June, so uh, sorry my village has contributed to that, but I'm sure there's lots of others who can uh, also uh, say they've got plenty of appeals to deal with. Um, the key risks, um, points 19 and 20. Um, so local plan, yeah, we know about business rates retention, we don't know what the government's doing with that. Housing benefits subsidy income claim, I'm not sure what's uh, um, moving on, the total uh, general fund reserves balance at 1st of April was 17.4 million and following the budget adjustments mentioned earlier, the revised net drawdown in reserves is just under 1.3 million, leaving a total reserves balance of 16.1 million and the total usable reserves estimated year-end balance of 11.2 million and the detail of all the reserves is on appendix B. Moving on to the housing revenue account. Sure as we all know, the housing revenue account is, is warehoused separately from the general fund. It lives on its own. Um, if anyone says, oh, we're funding a load of council, uh, council houses, no, no, we're not. It's self-funding. Uh, it's predicting a net operating surplus of 112,000. This is due to mainly to additional housing rental income from uh, new units being tenanted, tenanted earlier than budgeted. Sounds good to me. Um, there's an increase in the current year cost uh, for the housing revenue account capital schemes, which slipped from the previous financial year, and that's been funded by a mix of reserves, section 106 monies, and the major repairs reserve. That is explained on point 27. And the housing reserves balance was 3.04 million on the 1st of April. Uh, 2019, and after showing land for in-year drawdowns, the estimated year-end balance would be 842,000. That's set out in Appendix C. Nearly there. Capital program um, estimated total under-year spend of 3.16 million due to the new depot site and plus program, which I mentioned earlier. Uh, full details of each capital project and the associated method of financing is shown in Appendix E, and that also shows you all the Section 106 balances. And just going back to the earlier comments from scrutiny, um, my Newport Parish Council, we're very pleased to take part in your survey because we've got chapter and verse on everything that's happening in Newport, part of the neighbourhood plan showing what we got for everything, what we didn't get. Um, so I'm sorry to digress there. Uh, Treasury management, um, it's in the end here somewhere. There we go. Um, 
and carried out in accordance with the strategy and full details of all the short-term investments and borrowings are in Appendix F. Well, that's the table with lots of ins and outs on it. And a summary of the council's long-term borrowing and investments are on points 34 to 36. So, um, <coughs> a bit long and tedious, a lot of in there. Basically, we're on track. So, um, I hereby move that the Cabinet is recommended to approve the General Fund Housing Revenue Account and Capital Programme outturn focus position and the updated use of reserves. It's all allocated different things. So it's uh, the garden communities in there as a money, dare I say, for elections. Uh, it's all it's all marked up in reserves. So, but there are, there are some uh, the, the ones that we discussed previously uh, a while ago, which are the strategic funds, which are not particularly allocated. I think that should be useful if Adrian or Angel uh, com comment on that. Um, the reserves are made up of various sections. You've got ring fences reserves, which are specific to certain items, like, for instance, business rates. It's, it's previous year surpluses that cover future year deficits. Um, and the financial management reserves um, are actually there. So, for instance, the EU exit is specific funding. Um, we've got the transformation, which is to help the um, council move forward. Um, and you've got the medium-term financial strategy, which supports us in the changes that central government are planning to make on uh, funding allocations. Um, and then you have the service reserves, which make up the earmarked reserves, which are, as um, Councillor Hargreaves said, you know, for elections, um, garden communities, development, we've got um, the voluntary sector, different things like that. So that's how they're made up. And these are all detailed, and all their uses are detailed in the reserve strategy that was approved in February, and that is updated annually. Thank you. Thank you very much. Councillor Sir. Thank you, Chair. I've just got two questions, really, for information. Uh, as we are starting to resemble Italy as a country, I just wonder what impact on their finances would another general election have? Because um, we obviously normally work to a five-year parliament. And the second point I wanted to ask, just sort of basis of, of information, under housing and economic development, under homelessness, there is a variance for quarter one. And I just wanted some explanation for that variance, please. Okay. And um, the Chief Executive for the first point, and maybe back to Angela for the second point. So the, um, uh, the running of a parliamentary general election, uh, the council is awarded a, uh, an allowance, uh, which we also seek to pay back all of our expenses, and we seek to work uh, within that allowance. 
it isn't always possible. Uh, some issues arise that we have to uh, make expenditure on, which the Cabinet Office won't eventually recognise. We have quite a long, so we have not yet had all of our refund for 2017 parliamentary general election, which is, we continue to wrangle, but uh, generally the, the, the uh, costs of running an election are the, the um, direct costs, the costs that we have to pay out uh, for hire of uh, uh, polling stations, etc., are covered. Staffing costs are in the main not covered, uh, so where we use internal staff and obviously election registration uh, inquiries and all of that would be routine business of the council. So uh, there is an impact on the council, but uh, the main direct costs are covered by allowance from the cabinet office. Can I just follow that up, Jim? Uh, is the, my question is to the Chief Executive. Is she confident that the electoral services of this council is, as currently constituted, were there to be, probably quite a snappy election, but were there to be a general election in 2019? So I understand that the electoral services part of the council is going through reorganisation, there's been some staffing changes there, and is she content that, as things stand at the moment, were there to be, let's say, an election in November, this council will be able to have the staffing resources to deal with it? So, um, it's not a staff election, because now we have no, a fixed-term parliament, yeah. it's an unscheduled election, yeah. uh, so we are, we have already begun planning for that, because I think there's a high likelihood. Um, so, electoral <coughs> services team have a vacancy in their electoral services yeah. manager, which we have appointed to, and he will be joining us in, on the 21st of October, um, but we have uh, the, the services of a number of very experienced association of electoral administration, association of electoral administration consultants working for us, um, and the responsibility for the election doesn't just fall to the electoral services team, who, as you know, is very, very small. Um, so we've all stuffed that planning and allocating resources across the council. So yes, I'm as confident as I'm confident we can run an election. Obviously, what, once we know the details, uh, there will need to be discussion about what what work doesn't progress because we have to run an election. But obviously, that will be at the expense of having to postpone some of the pieces yeah, of work. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, and the Council's second point. Mm. Yes, thank you, Chairman. On homelessness. Yeah, if you, um, in there it shows an underspend of 103, and mm. um, that's because we've got um, additional grant funding to support the homelessness programme in Uttersford. So that, if you look at point 13 on mm. page 15, mm. my reconciliation there will show a debit figure, so that contras it into right. reserve. So, right. so, so that's held until the service decides how they're going to allocate that out and what program right. to spend they're going to do. Okay. Can I quickly ask, is this a one-off or a no. grant or is we anticipate it coming in future years? We had grant last year as well. Um, I don't think it's something we plan for, just in case, no. especially at the moment. But we, have, we, we do get um, a, a regular stream of grants to mm. support the current um, central government program on this. Councillor Pavitt, then Councillor Light. Thank you, Chair. Just two, two small points. Um, on page 17, under risks, um, it refers to the inspector's report uh, being provided late September. Uh, but at one time there was an estimate it would be November, then it was mid-October. Is this accurate? 
late September, this is of interest. So we talk, this is talking about the inspectors, the, yes. the plan inspection. The stage one has been reviewed, they will write to the council with their initial findings and advise on accepts. We expect this set to be issued late September. We're, we're, now, we're now expecting it in mid-October. You are, okay, it's fine. And then the other question yeah. was, um, on page 19, um, there's reference to GigaClear, there's a £600,000 budget. Um, having attended parish council meeting with Elmden and Dudden who have no broadband at all, be it super fast or slow or anything, um, their experience of GigaClear is a nightmare, and they were saying that they have no expectation it will arrive before 2021, probably later. What's the mechanism for, for measuring their performance? Could, could, could I refer that to Councillor Fairhurst? I agree with Maria on that. Sorry. The offices are weak, it seems to me they're just postponed by another six months or something, but uh, Simon Jackson's looking at it. Councillor Lyon. I just had a, another question here on planning appeals, noting that uh, they have actually increased and uh, are likely to increase. Is there any way that actually the amount uh, of appeals could be reduced by any sort of changes in the process of planning um, process or and policies? So to prevent uh, to deal with them and perhaps to have such clear policies that developers will um, assume that they're not going to win, therefore we're not appeal. Uh, a very, dif a very difficult question and one that I would find difficult to answer personally. Councillor Fairhurst is willing to have a stab at it. Definitely just a stab. Um, yes, we are. We've actually changed our policies with regard to planning and the planning process. Um, I was quite delighted for the first time in the planning committee that we had unanimous um, decision at the last meeting, which is quite new. Um, and it's basically working together with the officers to get a better officers report at the time the committees are discussing it, which makes it harder for the, for the, uh, uh, the applicant, the appellant, to claim that officers and, and committee are at, at, at odds on issues. I'm not sure if it reduce the cost a huge amount, but it should, should make it more streamlined than it is at the moment. Thank you. We've gone a little bit off piece from the actual numbers, but uh, useful and not too long. Any, any other questions or comments on the, on the actual budget outturn? Okay, could I have a proposal to, uh, to accept that? Thank you very much. And uh, a thank you to Angela and Adrian and the team for um, a clever, great stewardship and an excellent presentation. Thank you very much. <coughs> Oh, sorry, I'm sorry, it was, uh, we had a, a proposal and an acceptance. All those in favour? Thank you. Um, next, item nine, Saffron Walden Museum Collections Development Policy, which uh, looks uh, amazingly comprehensive. So, uh, over to uh, Councillor Light on that one. Thank you, Chair. So I'll just read this through, the summary, uh, so that people who are listening can um, be not reading. So the, the accreditation scheme for museums and galleries is the UK industry standard for museums. Accredited status is linked to eligibility for grants and funding from various sources, including the National Lottery Heritage Fund, and museums must reapply every few years to maintain their accredited status. These are last times in 2014. 
Stuffmore Museum undergoes its next accreditation review in January to July 2020, and in preparation, the museum's key policy documents and forward plan will be reviewed and formally approved by the Council and submitted with copies of the minutes confirming approval to pass the accreditation review. This report explains the accreditation scheme and review procedures and the list of policy documents of timetable for submission by the Museum Management Working Group to Cabinet for approval between September 2019 and April 2020, beginning with the Collections Development Policy 2020-25, which accompanies this report. I have read it, and the Museum Management Working Group has gone through it, and uh, we also have the chair of that uh, group here, if uh, there are any questions that uh, might be addressed to him. The recommendations are that between September 2019 and April 2020, Cabinet will be asked to approve a total of five museum policies and plans recommended by a museum management working group to enable the museum to complete its accreditation and review successfully by the anticipated deadline of July 2020. The listing timetable is set out in paragraph 12. So the Museum Management Working Group is recommending to Cabinet that it approves the Collections Development Policy attached to this report. If I may, Chair, I would just like to read something very brief on the relationship between Uttlesford and the Museum, because it is actually quite uh, um, unusual, shall I say, and maybe a little complex for years to understand. So, the Saffron Ward Museum Society founded Saffron Ward Museum in the 1830s and originally it was known as Saffron Ward Natural History Society. The museum opened in 1835 and was run by society members and with a paid professional curator from 1880 onwards. The society ran the museum with the aid of grants until the formation of Uttersford District Council in the 1970s when the society and council entered into an agreement and the council took over the running of the museum as a district service. The agreement between the Museum Society and the council, the partnership agreement, was last revised in 2014, and it states that the museum service is operated by the council in accordance with the accreditation scheme for museums that we have just uh, talked about, and that the council and museum society work together through the museum management working group. The Museum Society owns the buildings, museum and Shire Hill store, and the collections which are leased to the council. The council is responsible for maintaining its buildings and their contents, employing staff and managing the service. The Museum Society is a charity and is responsible for fundraising for museum projects, such as matching funding to attract development grants from the National Lottery Heritage Fund, which uh, had a successful bid recently, and other sources. The Society purchases acquisitions for the collections, such as archaeological finds reported under the Treasure Act. So I request uh, that Cabinet uh, approve the collection development policy which is attached to this report. Thank you. Thank you, Councillor. Councillor Thank you, Chairman. Uh, I'm Chair of the Museum Management Working Group, and I'd like to endorse what Councillor Light has just said. I'm I'm always impressed by the hard work of our small team of staff at the museum, which is supplemented by many volunteers. 
and I think we are fortunate as council that Councillor Light, as well as being the portfolio holder, is also a member of the committee of the Museum Society. So that helps to bring some synergy to it, I think. And the museum is very keen that, yes, it's called Sutton Warden Museum, but it's a museum for the whole district, not just Sutton Warden. Thank you. Uh, members? Just uh, perhaps a segue of side, side questions. It's, I, I concede, of course, it's a, it's a, it's a gem and asset for Sufferwall that enters that atmosphere. But what, in fact, are we doing to, to extend the efforts of the Sufferwall Museum throughout the rest of the district? Um, what are we doing in Dunmore and Stansted, for example? Thank you for that question. Um, there is actually a small museum in Dunno that is in Councillor Armstrong. It's in the Morton. It's in the Morton, yes. Right. And the curator of the Sacramento Museum works closely with the volunteers who run it and acts as curator, and she also works with Fatstead with the Guild Hall. So there is a cross-district um, collaboration and um, management by the excellent curator. I would just like actually to add uh, one thing. I would like to request Cabinet to send a letter of thanks and appreciation to the Museum Society for all of their hard work over many, many years. They are extraordinary and it has been uh, sit on the committee, uh, on the board, and it's been my favourite committee and remains so. Thank you. Thank you. Councillor I was lucky enough or, or I took the opportunity to go along to the museum recently to their open evening uh, to which all councillors were invited. I think it was fascinating to see what they do do there. And I think just to come back to Councillor Fairhurst's question, they also uh, have a very active programme that goes out into schools and takes uh, exhibits and, and, and themed um, projects for the local schools to work on, which apparently is, is extremely uh, popular. Uh, I also took the opportunity to go and have a look at the storage area. Fascinating again. And, uh, and what I learned there was not only does the museum um, encourage uh, cross Uttlesford involvement, they are also uh, holders of some of their uh, collection, which is referenced by other museums and by other scholars, not just in the UK, but across the world. So it is a very prestigious um, facility that we've got in our midst. Thank you. Councillor perhaps you would like to propose the adoption of this and the, uh, and the writing of the letter as well. <coughs> yes, I would like to propose that both. Can I have a second of that? All those in favour? Thank you very much. Next item, Corporate Plan Delivery Progress Report from Councillor Fairhurst. Thank you, Mr Chairman. <coughs> we haven't got to do the, the update, the quarterly progress report for the Corporate Plan Delivery Plan. Um, before I cover this, I just want to point out that at, at the recent um, full council meeting, the question was asked of the full council, um, why are we still continuing to follow the previous corporate plan of the previous administration? And the answer is very simple because we've only just been elected and we've run with the corporate plan for a year. But we are looking at a, a, a 
adjusted in this. This is merely an update on the previous plan, and we hope obviously by next year to have a, a renewed corporate plan. Coming in summary, I think the summary says it all. The corporate plan is a refresh of the 2019 to 23 um, plan agreed by Council um, in February, and the delivery plan was agreed by Cabinet um, in, also in February. This report simply sets out the progress against the corporate plan delivery plan between April and June, which is now the first quarter. Although it provides more recent updates, their progress since the end of June has been significant. I'm assuming we've all read it. That's pretty straightforward, um, and the recommendation is to note the progress. Um, any questions? Questions, comments, members? Um, I think the answer is a lot more to come, but Councillor Ivy. Thank you. Um, I was just going to actually yeah, appreciate there is a lot more to come. I was going to ask then how this will fit into um, a strategy that is uh, in the process of being developed. Thank you. Mr Chairman, through you. Um, exactly. The, the idea is in fact that one would normally think that a corporate plan would be formed by a strategy. We have already started that, myself and, and the Chief Executive have started that. Um, we have the base of a vision and the next step in fact would be flesh out a, a strategy which would then um, develop, be developed as the strategy for the, for the, for the Council um, and that would be developed through a strategic board. Thank you. Um, are we happy to note that report? Um, item 11, establishment of an energy and climate change working group. Um, Council Pepper is sorry not to be here. I think most of you know she's had a family bereavement recently and is unable to be with us. Um, and she will be very disappointed, as you know how passionate she is on, on this subject. And you will recall that at the Council meeting on the 30th of July, uh, we passed a motion. Um, that we um, establish a, an energy and climate change working group of cabinet. So I think this will be no surprise to anybody and, and most of us were present at that. So I'm going to combine this then with what is in fact on page 97 to 98 of the um, agenda where two different working groups are put together but you can see there that the climate change working group is proposed that being councillors Caton, Christione, Driscoll, Fairhurst, Gerard, Aisham, Light, Paddy, Pepper, Reeve and Taylor. So on behalf of Councillor Pepper that is my proposal and um, comments first before we go to the vote. Is anyone like to comment on that? Thank you. I'd just like to uh, welcome the establishment of this. I'm looking forward to getting started on doing the work. There is really a lot to be done. Can I take that as a proposal? Yes. Have a seconder? And a further. Others in favour? Approved. Thank you. Uh, item 12, commercial strategy. Your show for much of the night. Councillor Dehead. Hopefully not all night. Um, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, agenda item 12 is about the commercial strategy. A couple of mm -hmm. points. Um, this is the new name for the investment strategy. Um, the suggestion was that the commercial strategy is more appropriate, seeing as it talks about the commercialization of our process. We're doing it for commercial reasons as opposed to the other reasons for doing this, which would generally be council purposes. Um, I think that's a reasonable assessment, and I hope that's carried. It's one of the recommendations. Um, we need some history here because there was some confusion in the last meeting. Um, the council in almost three years ago 
um, came to the realization that unless major change to, to government funding um, arrived in the council, we face an uncertain at best future by 2020-2023. Um, and the decision was then taken to invest in commercial property, commercial assets, to supplement the, the otherwise dodgy response. And a, a fairly large, substantial investment was made of 49.9 million pounds on the CLP, on the Chesterman Science Park. I think most of us will be at the time. Remember that I was, I was fairly actively against the proposal, not I'm at stress because of the asset itself, although some people had questions about the asset and about the process. Um, and I agitated for an investment strategy, as they called it in those days, um, and for what you also include the establishment of an investment board. Um, it was an interesting two-year period, with not very much change except in April this year. Um, it will be finally told we now do have an investment strategy, um, and that investment strategy was the previous to this, um, which was very welcome at the time, I might add. It was a mixed feelings, therefore, when I took up the mantle of the investment board and investment process, um, because it was a, a big issue with not so much the asset, but the, the governance procedure. And let's be absolutely clear here. Um, this council is not an investment machine. It is not a company. It is a council. It has a local function. However, in the light of very real funding issues, it is responsible to look at alternatives to augment or supplement the funding. That makes sense to, I think, most of us. However, we are not skilled bankers. This is not what we do for our living. And we need, therefore, to be exemplary in our process. I did say, in fact, about two years ago, that we have to be like Caesar's wife, above scrutiny. I would correct that quickly on the basis of what Councillor Gregory has said, and perhaps you're not above scrutiny. But we have to be blemish-free. We have to have decent governance. So we've been working on this investment strategy, and let's be very clear what we're trying to achieve here. The investment strategy defines how, why, and the quantum that this council enters into the process of investment, knows what are we going to look at, and most importantly, what is our risk appetite? I would suggest extremely low. What's our risk appetite? What's our time horizon? And what is the, what's the remit that this council has? So the investment strategy, this commercial strategy, defines and sets up an investment board. That starts the process of governance because it becomes a semi-autonomous board. It's an organ of this, of this cabinet, so we have to work through that. But this board then has a responsibility to try and impose a level of governance, a level of, of, of objectivity to the process, which then informs this cabinet. And that's what we're trying to do here. So I'm not going to go into too much detail, except to clarify this. this the job of this commercial strategy is to establish a respectable level of governance so that we can have trust in the process, recognizing our weaknesses and make whatever process we can to keep it separate from a, from a simple council process. Um, I think we've all read it, but the recommendations at the beginning are one, to approve the commercial strategy with that name, recommend it to the council for adoption, two, approve the renaming of the investment steering group to investment board, and three, to authorize the recruitment of the two independent members of the investment board for the associated remuneration and so on. Let me stop at that point, Mr. Chairman, just to get feeling on at that point, just where we are on the group. Uh, happy members? 
I think uh, I think we we, we really, I think just to reiterate what Councillor Fair has said, we're not an investment organisation. Um, and, and, and we, we're not setting it because we want to get into that business particularly. We are there from an, a needs must basis that the government has changed dramatically its philosophy and how it uh, funds local government over the last few years and it's something that we have to do to continue to provide the, an, ex, a, a, an outstanding level of service. So that's why we're here. Answer that. Thank you, Chair. I wasn't working. Um, I have some concerns about this, actually. And the first concern is that this was approved in the, uh, by the previous administration, and uh, many of us who were then in opposition voted against it, and that includes me. Um, not because I disapprove or uh, disagree with an investment strategy, but uh, because of the, uh, the types of investments that were actually mooted. And this is still the case on uh, page 102.10. Uh, there, there is still a definitive mix of the investment portfolio, which is multi-let urban industrial offices and dynamic cities, single-let long lease, convenience retail, and market rent housing. So this has already been established, whereas my understanding uh, was that we should be looking at this uh, anew and also leaving it to the investment board to, uh, once it is constituted, to make those kinds of decisions. Not a, bad, not a bad question, it is valid. There are two documents to consider here, and they're discrete and have their own values. Investment or commercial strategy define the needs, the remit and the scope of the council, the cabinet, and sets up its investment board. It effectively gives it power. Once the investment board is operational, it will begin to draw up an investment protocol, and that will determine that the, the type of, of, of investment policy, the type of assets to be acquired, the nature of what that portfolio looks like, the risk appetites, and so on. So when we come, when we drilling down to the specifics of the quality of assets in the future and so on, that's the job of the investment board. This strategy, if you look at page, on my it's page number 10, is a rather nice picture. This is a slight change from the picture we had, I think, in April. Um, but this is really the meat of the strategy. This is the part that the strategy has to fulfill. What the strategy says is, at the center, I don't know if you've got colors on yours, but there's a, there's a blue line, full council and investment board. That circle, I would call the circle of governance. What it says is that the full council is informed via the cabinet, by the investment board. And if this investment or commercialized strategy achieves its goal, it will create three separate entities in that decision process. We have an interesting situation which we had to work with the officers in the sense that setting up an organ of this or a subsidiary of this cabinet means that the investment board, in fact, is not a decision-making body. And this is a question we raised and discussed. And the, 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 the way around, it seems, is that this investment strategy and this committee effectively seeks and says it will not unreasonably over, overrule the decisions of the investment board. So effectively giving it some power. Obviously, once the, the, the committee choose, if this cabinet chooses not to do that anymore, then I've lost that magic. But while we are there, we have, a, we have a discrete function, and that we should be discussing. When we're discussing the protocol, that's a different kettle of fish. Because when you discuss 
the makeup of a, pro of a portfolio, we have to consider risk appetite, to, um, investment term, and time horizon, and so on. The scale of the quantum. At the moment, the quantum has been set in, in, in April, so the quantum is, is, is another 100 plus, plus CRP. It's a substantial part of, 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 our, of, our, of our activity. Um, but that has, has to be addressed in terms of a protocol. The investment strategy from commercial can say, yes, it's 100, 100 mil. We can afford that. That gives us the quantum that tells us how much we need by so and so. I think I read in this it said that we hope to, to, to acquire further assets to generate another 80,000 um, 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 income by the end of the year. That's a fairly tall ask, in my opinion. But that's what the commercial strategy does. It says, this is what we need. These are the, the, the parameters of what we need. Now our investment board go out and achieve that process. When we get to the protocol, that's a different issue. So, for example, there's some disagreement in terms of whether it should be all invested locally or whether it should be across the board in other areas and, 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 and whether it should be, uh, we should invest um, on, on interest-only payments or an interest-plus capital and so on. These are details for the protocol, not for the investment strategy. I don't know if that answers your question. Thank you for that comprehensive answer. However, I remain concerned that it is, uh, if this is approved, then the investment portfolio is already set because then, then, I, would then I would request that point 10 is removed. Okay, I, that's a very good point. The investment portfolio is at the moment set. You've signed contracts, you've taken decisions, and that's where we are. Um, you don't unwind those unless you, have, unless you understand the cost of it. If we have to unwind those, that would then be a recommendation as cabinet, and it would have it would be intended cost to be attached to the process. Where we are is where we are. But what we need to do now is confront the issues of, ex of exposure, risk, time, and so on. Um, this investment trend does not do that. It simply seeks to achieve a governance structure, establish an investment board, and determine what the parameters of that board are. As someone who actually voted strongly against this investment strategy at the time, I completely understand where you're going with this. The investment strategy without a board is just an investment strategy. It's meaningless. The investment strategy with a board is a working creature. We can then have a, a governance structure that we can actually have some trust in. Councillor. Uh, thank you, Chairman. Uh, I was speaking for myself, but I hope my group as well. I, I agree with Councillor Fairhurst. I think this is a step forward, a very badly needed step forward to professionalise things. And as you said earlier, Council Fairhurst, about blemishes, etc., uh, an attempt to move towards greater transparency as well. Thank you. Did you then want to move on to the um, to the proposal and the? Sorry, David. Yes, I, I, was, I was just going to say, Chair, just for completeness, that the investment protocol will be drawn up by the investment board along with the terms of reference, and they will come back to Cabinet for approval. Uh, whether we make the next Cabinet will depend upon how quickly we can agree the protocol. Thank you for that. Um, I, I do agree with the establishment of an investment board. That's not the point I'm making here. I wholeheartedly agree. It's what we have asked for in the past uh, few years. Um, it is just, uh, it is just, let's say, my nitpickiness uh, and academic rigour that says if, there's, if there are some words in there, they mean something. And what that means to me, point 10, is that it is already setting 
the parameters of the investment portfolio, which removes the freedom of decision and choice from the investment board. And usually, I totally agree with you. Um, there are words in that will change. Like every strategy, they are built to change. At the end of the day, we've just been informed of what we've got today. If you look at our current investment portfolio, the current commercial, and I now call it by its new name, if our current commercial strategy talks to those terms. The whole idea of creating an investment board, they will address those issues and decide, in fact, what the strategy should look like, and this will also change over time. It's a living document. What this does is start by saying, let's get our rigor straight, let's establish the governance procedure, let's get going. I would like to think that once the investment protocol comes back here and this commercial strategy is adapted according to the demands of that protocol, we have something we can work with in the future. And again, it will change over time. I think if I can, Thank Chair, I think, I think probably this is an oversight on my part. I think that the number 10 should say the investment portfolio may include, not will, exactly. which I think will make everybody happy. Thank you. I can then, uh, I feel differently about it now. Councillor says, do you then want to complete that with the proposal of the uh, board and the... Sorry, we had another... Sorry, uh, Chairman, are you yeah, yeah. 13 now as well? Effectively, yes, it's there, yes. In which case, can I speak to 13? You may. Yes. Um, I, I think it was an oversight, but the working group for the investment only includes one member of my group, uh, whereas the climate change includes two members of the group. Uh, I was actually delivering an entrepreneurship course this summer at uh, City Sussex in Cambridge. So um, I, I don't know whether, as I say, whether there's an oversight or whether that is. I know that the working groups are not proportional according to the membership of the groups, but uh, I was slightly surprised that I knew that Councillor Khan had been approached. But. Uh, yes, please do. I think we can be flexible. It is definitely a work in progress. We haven't identified the independence either. Um, this is not my first investment committee. This is about my ninth that I've set up. What I was impressed with was we have a fairly deep level of skill in the, in the group. But the more councils are prepared to participate in this process at the outset, the better. Bearing in mind, I do not believe we, we still need to skill up. We still need to skill up and, and understand the, the context but you're more than welcome to join. At the end of the day, I'd rather start with a big board and then have some uh, uh, reserves. And we need core when we make the issue here. Bear in mind also the investment board, one of its big weaknesses is being able to move fast on opportunities. And so you need a fairly a, a, a mobile set of, yes, of numbers. Yeah, thank you. Any further comments? Perhaps I could propose then, as we've got slightly complex, that uh, 12 and 30 are in fact combined, that we adopt the commercial strategy, the appointment of the relevant investment strategy board with the members as shown on page 97 plus Councillor Cell. I've proposed that from the Chair. Could I have a seconder? That's Armstrong. All those in favour? Approved. Thank you. On then to item 14, Aspire. Can I ask um, Adrian to present this?
all means. Um, there's a, the, the next item relates to an investment opportunity that uh, is before you. In order to deliver that, we would need to do it through an arm's length company, wholly owned subsidiary of the council. Uh, so what this report does is propose setting up Aspire, brackets MRH, brackets Limited, which stands for Market Rent Housing. Um, it's, it's necessary to keep this any form of market rent housing separate from our council housing. It makes this reporting and, and accounting much easier. Attached to Appendix 1 are the proposed articles of association. They are very, very similar to the CRP ones with only the one section which sets out the purpose of the vehicle rather than, so market rent housing rather than the science park. In, contained within them is the provision for the appointment of two non-executive directors. So in effect what this company will look like is, is a mirror image of the Chesterford Research Park Company. So it will be in time, three directors with two non-exec directors to support them and the chair will be a non-exec director. At the moment, the proposal is to have two directors appointed, which is myself and Nicola Whitman, the assistant director of ICT and facilities, who is also one of the directors on the other companies we have. A third director will be appointed by the leader in due course. So, before you now are four recommendations to approve the establishment of Aspire MRH Limited, agree the Articles of Association for Aspire MRH Limited as set out in Appendix 1, appoint the following directors to Aspire MRH Limited, Nicola Whitman, UDC Assistant Director of ICT and Facilities, Adrian Webb, UDC Director of Finance and Corporate Services, and to authorise the recruitment of the two independent members and non-exec directors of the Spire MRH Limited with the associated remuneration of £520.25 each per annum. That is the gist of the report, Chair. Thanks, Chair. Yes. Thank you, Chair. It's really important to point out this is market rental housing. This is the kind of philosophical nicety that we have to adhere to. We're a council and we look after different kinds of rentals. And this makes it very clear that this is about a commercial strategy, not the normal council business of social housing. That's why we have these, these that particular thing. That's why I have to make a, I have to stress that. The second thing is that there's a question of whether a councillor sits on this board. And that's how we must discuss it at a later stage. Members, other comments, questions? Councillor Thank you, uh, Chair. I would support that view, actually, because um, I think to have, um, just from the workload alone, to have the two proposed uh, directors take on yet another um, responsibility, when I'm sure there are many hours of work in this, uh, that is one point. And the other point, of course, is that from a democratic perspective and a governance perspective, we should absolutely have uh, councillors and uh, externals, which I'm assuming will be uh, appointed. So we do need some members on this um, uh, company as well. Thank you. I perhaps need to take guidance on that, in that it was my understanding that members were not allowed to, uh, to sit on this board. No, it's not a case they can't. We have never done it here. It's not common practice. 
but uh, I believe there are examples of where councillors are on the board. I know there are examples, so it can be done. Um, the yeah, so I'll probably leave it, leave it there at the moment. Councillor? Thank you. Uh, Councillor Lloyd and I did have a brief discussion in the members' room before this meeting, and like her, I was concerned about the workload for uh, two director, proposed directors, bearing in mind the CRP, plus they've got their day jobs here at the council. And as their uh, activities expand, uh, I think that will need to be looked at, um, whether by the chief executive or others, as to how do we recognise that their job roles has begun to change, and how does that... I think the independence members is good. We, we had that principle of CRP. Can I just quickly ask um, Mr. Webb for you, Chair, how confident is he that he will get these independent members flocking to join the board at this great remuneration yeah, rate? When we advertised for CRP, it was 510 pounds. He's gone up. Um, <laughs> we've had, I think it was 53 applicants for the two roles. We had, we're part of the Non-Exec Directors Association. Um, my two director colleagues have been on their training and are registered themselves. Um, so there, there is a specific website that we can advertise through and that does gain an awful lot of interest. People are interested in that and the two we've got, one is a resident of Uttlesford, the other one is just outside, so it's even as well we, we look like we will probably get local people. I don't think they'll be practicing lawyers though. No, I don't think they will. <laughs> Thank you. Um, just wanted to come back on that. Uh, it's an issue of accountability. Um, as members, we are accountable to the residents of the district. And I would propose that, having heard that there is nothing against uh, members actually sitting on, on these boards and these companies, I would propose that there are two members who sit on each of the companies that uh, the council sets up. Thank you. Comment uh, uh, from the Chief Executive, please. Uh, I, I'll need to deal with that one. Um, we can't do that for Aspire CRP Limited in the way that's being suggested. I'm happy to talk to the councillors outside this meeting. Again, the Chief Executive would like yeah, to so, um, uh, But I would remind members that uh, as directors of a company, your responsibility is to that company. It's not about accountability to the public. Now, bear in mind, Cabinet is the uh, shareholder board for any of our arms length companies, so members would need to be careful about um, you know, where their responsibility lies, because the role of the director of the company is statutory. It's uh, does have statutory responsibilities associated with it. Thank you. Um, any other comments? Um, a little bit difficult at the moment then in that we have a, an, an amendment to this. I'm a little bit loath to, uh, to, to change that at, at, at the moment. I'd very much like to get this going. I am very happy to bring this back to the next cabinet. I would, though, particularly like to, uh, to get this moving with the recommendation um, as printed here. I won't, I won't go to the vote at the moment, so I just, 
ask for other comments if members may be content to allow further discussions and that change to the board to come to, a, uh, to the next cabinet meeting. Comments, please? Chair, can that go forward then with uh, a note in the, the minutes just to reflect what you've what we've just said here? Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So in fact, my, my, my proposal is that we accept the recommendations as presented, which is on page 13 of the supplementary item number three. So the proposal is that we accept that recommendation, but that further consideration will come to the next cabinet as to whether members should also be included as additional appointees to that board. That is my proposal. Can I have a second to that? Thank you. All those in favour? Uh, those against? Abstention. Yes. Carried with one abstention. Thank you. So then on to the related loan to Aspire. Councillor Fairhurst, are you going to do this? Or? Rob. I think just while well, Councillor Fairhurst is getting to where he needs to be, um, we just need to point out that on the original agenda this was scheduled to be a part two item. Indeed, yes. Um, it is not going to be a part two item for reasons of the transparency and everything. We've decided to keep it in part one. We have an offer that has been accepted in principle, so we are trusting uh, the selling agents that they will stick with us. Um, but in, in the idea of listening. They may well be listening, and I'm sure they will. So, Councillor Fairhurst, please. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Item 15. Is that right? Okay. Councillor Fairhurst is now prepared. Mr. Chairman, thank you. Um, so the report represents an opportunity to acquire 10 student accommodation apartments. So here we are with market rent rental housing in Cambridge through the council's wholly owned subsidiary aspire MRAs that we've just agreed to set up. The recommendation is one to approve the acquisition, two to approve the loan of 2.1 million at 5.5 percent, but it's an interest-only rate, which I have a question on, and to request council endorses the purchase and loan and authorises the necessary borrowing. We'll have a chance to see it, I'm sure, so we wouldn't want to talk about it on the Members? Council Light first, Council Becoming a pattern. Absolutely. <laughs> We're very busy here with this microphone. Um, thank you, Chair. Yeah, I uh, have a concern about this. Well, actually, let me start with a question before I express my concerns. Um, what is the timetable, uh, and if it is fairly imminent, um, why do we have to rush? Um, the, I'll, I'll address the, mat the matter of urgency, and, that, and it goes back to um, things that we have spoken about before in various meetings, and I think we, we, we did touch on it out of the meeting, and that is the change of the, of the funding strategy of government. We are faced with a potential shortfall in next year's budget. 
if we are to uh, make up that shortfall and are to be able to carry on with our current level of services, we do need to get these extra items into, into the budget for that year. That is, a, to my mind, a very real need for urgency. Can I just check the uh, amount it would bring in per annum? Um, well, I don't know who's going to answer that. Uh, Adrian, will you answer that? I know that it was about just over 100,000 gross and down to uh, Paragraph 21 sets out that um, the, the council, after the borrowing costs, and that's if it goes to a PWLP loan, would be £83,726 per annum. Okay. So it's a
Well, Sorry, I had, I had missed out Councillor Eakes. Uh, Thank you, Chair. Um, I just want to know our liability with regard to the maintenance of this building if we were to go ahead with the purchase. We pay a service charge uh, which is set out in here at I think £1,538 per annum because there's the extra two students in each of the uh, studio apartments now. So 1538 and we pay £200 a year ground rent. There is a management company there that manages everything. So this, this block is actually 151 units. What's being sold is 10 which were retained by the original builder of the 151. So the, there's a management company that does that and that's all included in this fee. They charge an extra 6% as well. So all of that is included in the numbers before you tonight. So they take control of everything. Um, so, yes, um, we effectively just hand over some money and everything's maintained. They are in very good condition. Um, the nature of the students, it's not, as I've set out here, the traditional students. These are 16 to 19 year olds. They have a, a house parent in, in each of the areas. They're inspected three times a week to make sure that they are in good condition and being looked after. There's a curfew at 11, there's no alcohol. The students themselves are provided three meals a day from within the college canteen, so there is actually very little cooking going on in the apartments either. Um, but parents do pay an awful lot of money for that facility as well. I, th I think it's interesting that uh, Adrian will recall that this was one of my initial concerns when I first looked at it, again <coughs> from my own personal experience with this type of accommodation, so we have had a, a, a pretty good look at that. Um, Thank you, Chair. I'd now like to express my concern, <laughs> having had um, an answer to my question. Uh, my concern is that we have just uh, voted on establishing an investment board, which uh, will be set up and will, will once the protocol, etc., has been established, and uh, we'll start to look at the types of investment. And I would prefer that this investment would be examined first of all. Firstly, actually, the investment board needs to decide whether it would, act, would go for this kind of property or whether it would go for property at all. So uh, I cannot vote in favour, even though it uh, seems quite a, a, a reasonable deal, because I would want the investment board to have made its decisions on the types of investments that they wish to pursue. Thank you. Thank you. I recognise that comment, but uh, it goes back to, I think, the, the point I've made a couple of times now, which is on the urgency of this because of our need for, for that funding. And there's sort of a slight element of pragmatism against the strategic view, though the investment board is, going, is getting going very quickly and potentially will have a look at it. We have an initial meeting next week. Edwin, you want to comment? Yeah, I, I just wanted to reassure Councillor Light that with the exception of Councillor Sell, who's just joined the board, the other members have been kept fully informed and have seen all of the paperwork as we've gone along and offered, we've had offers to, or I've offered to meet with any of them and we've answered questions from them around this investment. So whilst they're not formally established, they have been consulted and kept informed as we've gone through this process and we haven't had any uh, negative comments. Indeed, we've had some very positive comment from the members or those who've responded. Councillor Perez, I think you want to, would you like to finally comment and perhaps yes. make a proposal? I was in fact, as Councillor said it before, it was raised. It is, it is, it is 
a pedantic question, but it is a question nonetheless. If we, if I was to support as an asset, as I say, the asset itself looks looks okay, it looks fine, it looks like the right kind of thing. Um, I think we should be investing in, in market related housing, investing in housing. Um, but the fact we have an investment board in, on, in the next couple of days might incline me to feel that we should, probably should wait until the investment board to do so. I'm not sure we can, because I also mentioned it's a question of urgency and investment. So it's a difficult one because I've been I've been banging on about about the governance and about scrutiny, and uh, it's a difficult one. Okay. okay. If, if we go, if this is approved tonight, then presumably it will be taken up by the investment board anyway. So it will come into the government's loop um, at some stage. So it will still be part of that investment board. Is that correct? We will look at that, but of course it will be eventually then for full council to make that approval. Yes. And I should say, Chair, that there's a provisional meeting, a preliminary meeting, and the investment board is scheduled for next Tuesday morning. So head of council on the 8th, the investment board will have met and will have had the, the full briefing and will have sat in a room and been able to talk this through. <coughs> That's probably news to council itself. Okay, so I'd like to propose from the chair. Could you, could you, could you, could you say approved condition to the investment board meeting? Not sure we can do it on that basis. Are we allowed to do it on that basis? We are, we are on that schedule to the 8th um, council meeting. I think that uh, we need to, we need to um, make this recommendation now. However, what I would say is that it will, of course, go to council. Should there be um, violent objections then from that first meeting of the strategy board, those, those concerns will be, will be brought to council. So I would like to propose that we go ahead on this basis with that um, it's not a proviso, but just understood that the investment board will look at it. So I'd like to make that, I will, I will propose that then, so it's uh, on page 30, 39 of the supplementary item 2 of the cabinet recommendation, I'll make that proposal. Can I have a seconder of that? Answer Eek. Uh, those in favour? All? Uh, against? Abstentions? Thank you. That is carried. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you all for your participation. The meeting is closed at what looks like 6.30.